All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast for Thursday, February 26, 2020. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and a longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi, here today, as I am every day, with my co-host, Ethan Smith. What's going on? Not much. Over on this neck of the woods, we are doing a Skype interview tonight. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a snowstorm going on in southeast Michigan, so we decided to stay away from the studio and uh, just hop on the old internets here to talk. Now, we do have, uh, we have a game to recap because uh, since the last time that Ethan and I have been together, the Red Wings did lose to the New Jersey Devils 4-1. to one. Uh, And also, some notes from Iserman's press conference. We do want to go over that. We didn't get the chance to uh, after the trade deadline the other day. So I want to touch on some interesting comments from that. And, uh, yeah, we'll open it up. Ethan, how are you feeling today? Did you get to watch the Devils game last night? Um, I'm feeling or pretty good. Two nights ago by the time this comes out, I guess. Yeah, uh, I saw the first two periods. I missed the third period. I had a uh, beer league game, one eight to three, not a big deal. Clinched first round by. My, my team's going to the playoffs, Nolan. They are. My team. You know, not the Red Wings, but it, it was – What's your guys' Pretty place bad. in the standings? Oh, we're in first place. We locked up first place this, this week. Really? We had, we had seven guys playing at like 1045. And we, we, went down, we went down 2 nothing, and then I think we scored like seven unanswered. Still took on the dub? Still took oh, on yeah. the dub. Oh, yeah. Big and, eight and, uh, So you're the goaltender, right? So you were the, the team succeeded in spite of your poor performance to start the game. None of the goals were my fault. We only had seven guys. It was like two on O's and stuff like that. I must have. What uh, am I supposed to do? Every time I hear Ethan tell a story about a beer league game and he tells me the score, I point out how many goals were scored against him. And every single time he has told me that none of the goals were his fault. I don't believe you. Dude, I'm really good. I think I have the lowest goals against in the entire like adult league league at the, at the Onyx. Wow, dude. That's, that's crazy. I'm pretty sure I do. I'm sick. I'm like back-to-back MVP. I can used I look, to have a trophy in my room. Can I look that up on Hockey Reference? No, but you can go on the Onyx's website, and then I'll give you my team name, and then you, I'll prove it to you. Oh, all I'm right. the GOAT. Well, fair enough. I uh, have three championship beer league trophies to prove it. You have trophy? They give you trophies? No, they give you, like, towels. Oh, uh, okay. They're like t-shirts. So you lied. You lied like to the beer, listeners. Like beer mugs. Who trusts you? T- Shot glasses, towels. I mean, I have I have the gamut of trophies in beer league. I did get, I did get a trophy when we won at Troy, though. Yeah, I mean, technically anything can be a trophy when you think about it. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I prefer things that I can use more than once. You know, not something that's just going to sit in my room. So, I mean, I get to take a, a towel to a beach that says, "Hey, I was a championship." Oh, I'm I was I'm a champion, you know. Yeah, yeah, for or I, sure. Or I have a beer mug that I drink out of during the playoffs. You know, makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Now you won't be watching the Red Wings in the playoffs. That's because they uh, they can't stop losing, and uh, the other night was no exception against the New Jersey Devils. Like you mentioned, the first two periods straight up ugly. Uh, what did you see through those first forty minutes? That you know, kind of. What What did you like? What did you didn't like? I saw a. I read the presser about them losing Athanasiu and uh, how he didn't want to go. And I could, I felt like I could see that on the ice. It was, it was a team reeling from 
losing their friend and a veteran in Mike Green. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it just picture that, you know, a man Red Wings as they have been all year, minus a friend and a veteran. And that's, that's how they look like. <laughs> I love that you're taking the emotional side to all of this. Hey man, they're, they're players at the end of it. Trade them, I guess. To they're, human, tough, they're humans at the end of it. What they're, did I say? You said they're players at the end of it. <laughs> where did, where did you know, dehumanize you know, these guys? Yeah, I mean, what you know, these people have families and pets and stuff that they have to take across the, the continent to go play in Edmonton. I know, I they got to get visas and stuff. That's not fun. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Um, I mean, just, just from, like, the, the style of play, did you feel like they were uh, – I mean, was there anybody who stood out to you, like, in, in particular, in, in one way or the other? Bertuzzi stepping up and laying the body on people. I love that. Um, mm. Mantha was throwing the body around. There's a time that uh, New Jersey had the puck behind their net, and Mantha's just cross-checking the defenseman in front of the net for absolutely no reason other than he was there, and he's upset that he's playing on the Red Wings still. It was fun. They just gave it back to each other, and the refs just like, ah, get out of here. Go. <laughs> and then they left. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, really just an ugly game all around. Red Wings weren't able to do much. Devils kind of had their way with them. But I do think that you make a good point about the physicality, and that's something that uh, represents effort. And uh, while they didn't necessarily look like the, you know, the, the coordination wasn't there, like – they just weren't really looking that clean. They were kind of playing on their heels a bit. Uh, no, and not to mention, this is a New Jersey Devils team that just traded away four players at the trade deadline, too. And yeah. they just whooped us four to one. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that really isn't saying much. I mean, uh, anybody really has a chance to whoop the Red Wings on any given night. And, uh, I mean, I think just the the most – I guess the the – Good part of it is uh, that they continued to meet. To me, like the thing that was good, I guess, the one takeaway I have from this game is that they continued that physical effort and continued to uh, get after it in the third period. Tyler Bertuzzi continued to, to lay the body. He had a huge hit on Jack Hughes. Uh, and then the fight at the end, that got pretty wild. Uh, he took a, he took a cross check to the face from a devil whose name is escaping me at the moment. His name's like John, John Hayden, John Hayden. I was thinking John Heyman. I knew that wasn't right. That's a baseball writer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, John Hayden gave uh, gave old Bert the uh, the old how do you do right there, Fred. Stick to the teeth. Uh, didn't appear to be too badly injured, but uh, never a situation you want to see. You know, I did. No, what are your thoughts on players throwing their gloves at each other? I loved it. I thought it was funny. I also think like uh, I like funny too. at the end, like, uh, <clears throat> like I've said many times, I love the mob mentality. And if you want to hate PK Subban, by all means, go ahead. But at the same time, uh, once you remove yourself, like from the anger of the moment, like that's funny. And then yeah. like how mad Bertuzzi was when he was also trying to retaliate with a glove throw. I mean, it was just, it was passion in the moment and then comedy after it like that's exactly it was what like you... it was like two brothers it was two brothers that live in the same room that got sent to their rooms and they have to sit on their beds and they're not allowed to move and they're just throwing soft things at each other so their parents won't hear and yell at them some more <laughs> <laughs> so 
So the next thing we got to get to today is that uh, Steve Eiserman press conference from shortly after the trade deadline ended on Monday. Uh, talked for 45 minutes to the Detroit media, which was nice because – That was awesome. Uh, generally speaking, when uh, we do get to hear Steve Eiserman talk, it's in more of a controlled setting. Uh, the last time – or I, I think the last time that he spoke publicly was in his midseason interview with Ken Cal, uh, which, you know – that's going to be a very controlled setting. So he opened it up to questions today and, uh, or not today, but on Monday, uh, lots of, lots of different stuff was discussed. Mostly, uh, you know, kind of what the circumstances were surrounding the Athens trades, what other possibilities, uh, you know, the, the Red Wings had on trade deadline day. But the thing that stood out to me was his comments on Jeff Blaschel. Now, Jeff Blaschel, at this current point in time, I think you probably know by now, he's the third longest tenured head coach in the NHL. Uh, Obviously, I know. Obviously, you know, somewhat attached to the performance of this team. Uh, In what capacity? I think it's kind of tough to say because he really is up against it. And Iserman clearly said he agrees. Uh, I think a lot of people at the end of the season are expecting him to be gone, but his quote uh, when asked about that on Monday was, as of right now, I don't plan on making a change. Read into that what you want. And, uh, I mean, I'm reading into that as he doesn't plan to make a change. I mean, I fully expect Eisenman to at least see what's out there. From how detailed he was in when he was building Tampa Bay, it, I just find it hard to believe, especially why wouldn't you explore all of the options you could with a team that is at the lowest it could ever be. Mm-hmm. See who's out there. I mean, there's no guarantees that a, a coach is going to want to take on this job right? by any means. But I mean, it really kind of depends on Illich too, how, how much money he wants to shell out for somebody. I mean, I, it, there's nothing Blashell can do with this roster. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, it's there's a uh, an ongoing debate on how like is are they this bad because of Blashell or you know are they? No, I, I don't know. It's I I don't think that's the case. Uh, but also, he it's the worst team in NHL history. Yeah, I. Yeah, this is like Columbus <laughs> I, Blue Jackets and expansion. Yeah, and I mean, I like, I totally, I totally agree with you saying that, you know, he has to explore all of his options. And I mean, if you just look at the guys that are out there right now, Gerard Gallant being one of them, all the coaches that have been fired, you know, mid-season this year, it's, uh, it's going to be there's going to be a good market for a coach out there i think he definitely will explore the options uh and in terms of being uh you know this not being an attractive job i would say that i honestly kind of disagree simply because of the fact that there is you know the culture of the the culture of the franchise is appealing it has a strong sense of direction with steve eiserman uh at the helm finally and i think that would inspire a lot of i think it would be easy to get a coach to buy into the vision and on top of that, I think every coach coming in uh, or prospective coach coming in is doing so having seen the understanding that Eisenman had given to Blaschel under these circumstances this year, letting him finish out the year. And I, I think that would inspire some confidence that, you know, it, 
it's a low risk job to take because you're saying, okay, I'm going to get a chance to fail. And while that definitely won't be the goal, uh, I think it does, you know, maybe help a coach who, uh, you know, is worried about taking a job that he's just set up for failure with, uh, because I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he'll have, Eisenman will have lots of patience with him, whoever it may be. Yeah, and Eisenman has just preached patience throughout this entire rebuild. So, I mean, him saying read into that as much as, like, he's – He's, he's always come off as a black and white guy to me too. He's not somebody that's just going to beat around the bush. So when, when he says something, it, you, you don't take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I just believe it. Right. And that's what makes this Blashill thing so interesting to me. Cause I'm like, I, this is the one thing I have like straight up. I don't, I don't know if I believe him. Right. Oh man. It's, it, this is where it gets fun to be a Red Wings fan. Mm-hmm. The the things that you can pontificate. <laughs> well, yeah, that's and all this, that's left. This off season, I think, uh, definitely. I mean, just the off season in general. For I mean, being a Lions fan since you know birth. Uh, I tell you that when you root for a bad team, like the off season is without a doubt the best part of the season. And oh, yeah. the Red Wings are going to have a lot of a lot of good moments over the next couple of months because they literally cannot get any worse than like, I mean, I guess they could record wise, but that's beside the point. They cannot get any worse. The only things that will happen to them in the off season will be good things. All of the free agents that anybody wants back, restricted free agents that are like likely going to be back, uh, they're going to have a great pick in the draft. They're going to sign some people in free agency that even if they're not like star-studded names, they're going to be names that you can point to and say, well, they'll be a little better this year. You know, look at that guy. He's an upgrade from so-and-so. Uh, and I don't know. And then the, and then the whole coaching thing. I mean, I think any coach that, that Steve Eiserman brings in, it's going to be like any draft pick that Eiserman takes where it's going to say, wow, what a great draft pick, Steve. Let's see how it works out without even knowing the case. So that's going to be a fun time too. And I'm, I'm just really excited for these next couple months to uh, get some manufactured hope. In terms of the draft, I'm really excited for, uh, to see, like if we get the first pick that's Lafreniere, that's great. You know, yeah. the joy of Red Wings fans just to get the first overall pick and get that game changer who's been NHL ready since he was 17 would it that would be phenomenal but I I still would enjoy like us having that second pick because there's like essentially two or three guys that you could take there and there's mm. one guy in in that's playing in Germany right now Tim Tim Stutzel that's growing I mean he's been he was outside the top five in the beginning of the year and now he's projected to beat Byfield for the second pick. Yeah. But I'd like to see like how Eisman went off the board at six last year. I would really be interested to see who he takes. Because I mean you saw how well it's worked out with Cider. Oh man. See this is where I just get excited, even when they're just a, a horrible team. It's just fun to think about what's gonna happen in these next six months. Right. But like everybody, you know, we've talked about it so many times. Like there there are there are pieces there. So, uh, I mean, anything, it's only going to go up. And uh, you brought up Stutzel. I would love 
I think like just on principle, if the Red Wings don't get the first pick, I want them to take Stutzel because I want them to build, like I want them to be the breakout team for another country of the world for like the third decade. And well, I guess it'll be three decades out of four because they had the, the Russians in the nineties, the Swedes in the aughts, nobody, you know, nobody really in the, uh, the 2010s, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be great to see, you know, the, the Germans come over and yeah, you know, uh, dominate. I, I, I don't have a good German accent. It just turns into Russian after like four words. So that's why <laughs> and, I only and, said. And, and go, sorry, going, I was going to uh, stay to, if we don't get Lafreniere, we're basically guaranteed to get a player that's going to grow up to be that potential one, two punch that these Stanley cup winning teams have down the middle. Cause right now we have nothing close to that one, two punch. I mean, we're at least two, three years away if Rasmussen projects to that, to be that second-line stud. And we have yeah, and at least two years away, I'm guessing, at this point. Right. No, I was going to say, yeah, Valeno's definitely in the mix as well. And the Red Wings are obviously hoping that he'll turn into uh, at least one part of that one-two punch. But uh, I don't know. It's... It's a fun time to be a Red Wings fan right now. <laughs> Maybe that's not right this time. second. That's the, fir- Maybe that's not. the first time. <laughs> but that's only because the season's coming to an end. And like the Red Wings now, are they, they're, they're, they, they picked up all these second rounders on Monday. So now they got three picks in the first round. And everybody, everybody is just being like, Kucherov, we're going to get Kucherov. We're going to get the next Kucherov. We have but, three second round picks now. I'm yeah, just yeah. Even though, so I was looking at uh, Steve Eiserman's like draft history with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second round yesterday. Uh, I think I only got I got through like half the decade through the through 2014. Okay. Uh, and outside of Kucherov, I mean, there's really there's really not that much. Uh, Dominic Mason, no, probably the, the top the top guy uh he was drafted in 2014 okay. and he's like probably he'll he's like been in the mix he was he was poised to be a breakout guy kind of at the start of this year never really uh that never really came to fruition but he is a guy that a lot of people are high on and also another second round pick now it, let me first throw out this disclaimer if Iserman did have a great, great second pick and between 2015 and 2018 do not come at me because i i just haven't gotten there yet but you know we did draft in the second round with Tampa. Adam Ernie, 2013. Oh, yeah. So. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you got that. Last up, some notes on Andreas Athanasiu. Do you miss him yet? No. It's fine. <laughs> it, it doesn't make a difference. Um, okay. But I am happy for him. Um, it was That was awesome to see him score the game winner. And, you know, just him playing with McDavid's fun, dude. I just I hope they make the playoffs. Yeah, he also had an assist. And, uh, you know, what the thing that most people were pointing out uh, on the internet today was the fact that he was also a plus two. So really just a banner day for Andreas Athanasiu. It's been two or three years probably since he's had a game like that. So, uh, you know, really just happy for him. And he also had a pretty funny comment uh, why he was wearing the number 28. They asked if he was going to wear number 72, but 
Edmonton Oilers mascot wears number 72 and kind of just said, uh, you know, I didn't want to buy him a Rolex, so I decided to change up the number. I thought that was pretty funny. Humorous no Andreas Athanasiu. That's great. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Oh, that's a great. I was wondering why he changed the number. Yeah, that's exactly why. He didn't want to buy the mascot a Rolex. Well, I wonder how much a mascot for a Ro- or a Rolex for a mascot. Did I say a, a mascot for a Rolex? What an idiot. Uh, when you buy a Rolex. No, no, no. A, what, if you, what if you had to buy a, a, a Rolex? <laughs> you, had, you had to buy like a Rolex, like like a mascot's Rolex. Not, like, you don't buy the mascot dude a Rolex. You actually had to get like a fake Rolex. Or yeah, that's what I'm Rolex saying. And put it on the mascot. Right, but like depending know. on like what the mascot looks like, his his arms could be like three times thicker than a than a human. Anyway, I mean Gritty, I'm sure he's probably up to like four or five times the circumference of a regular human wrist. So oh, I mean Jesus that just Christ. the materials alone, that's an expensive Rolex. I you can kind of see why I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Good for him. I'm just happy. I I really hope he excels there. I mean, the early returns uh, are pretty good. Uh, Iserman did talk a little bit kind of just about how that whole trade scenario went down. Uh, he did kind of point, to, you know, people were kind of asking him about the the Ken Holland connection there. And uh, he just kind of mentioned, he's like, yeah, you know, for all intents and purposes, like Ken Holland knows a lot of these players better than I do. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting because it, it looked like Columbus was going to get Andreas Athanasiu on Monday for a, pretty all signs pointed there for a while and uh you know ken holland felt the need to pony up and you know who knows what columbus's offer was but uh throw in two second rounders for for andreas athanasiu and uh i mean there was obviously something there that that kenny didn't want to lose i mean steve even said that there was multiple teams in on that like i don't don't even think it was just columbus but i i immediately just saw a tweet saying like oh man imagine um Oh crap! What's his name? San, uh, Columbus's ca- uh, coach, Tortorella. Tortorella. Just like imagine Tortorella's face when he hears he's getting the minus forty-five. <laughs> Andreas <laughs> Anthony Steele. That guy's got to lose his mind. Uh, another thing that Eisenman was asked was, uh, you know, if he accomplished what he wanted. And the, the quote in his response was, we're hoping to add the highest draft picks that we could. In general, I think we accomplished what we wanted to. Did we do everything we wanted to? Not necessarily. He said they wanted to acquire another first rounder, but uh, thought he got reasonable value in return for Mike Green, who is an impending uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, and another note was that he did not have any discussions on really any of the core players too. So I thought that was interesting that he kind of, uh, I mean, I'm sure like if somebody gave an unbelievable offer for Anthony Mantha, he would have looked at it. But the the point is, you know, he kind of has his core and he's like good with it. I, I think that's kind of what he's saying in, in that sense. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what what were your thoughts on that? He just didn't have anything to give up. Like, I don't see any team jumping at the bit. I mean, and I don't really see him trading Mantha either. Going, like, I, I just don't. I think Mantha, Fabry, and Larkin are going to be key going forward. Amber Tudor. I just don't see – I didn't see him getting rid of – I don't see the point of trading somebody that's already going to be something for a first-round pick that's going to be something in two years, three years. 
Oh no, and and I mean, I I didn't, I don't necessarily know that those things, uh, two things were connected together. Uh, I don't think. I mean, there's you know, nobody the first else on the roster. Pick talks. There's, no, for yeah. sure, for sure. But I I was just I just thought it was interesting that he didn't have any discussions about any of the core players because I in a way that lets you know that this is for sure his core. Yep, that's what I like to hear. Well, I think that uh, that ought to do it for Thursday's show. We'll be back here tomorrow with our old friend Sergio Colchester to do a Red Wings rewind on the night that uh, Sergei Fedorov scored five goals against the Washington Capitals way back in 1996, the year I was born. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Have that in your inbox by the time you wake up on Friday morning. You can listen to it on your way to work, at lunch, or on your way home. Follow us on Twitter as well, LO underscore Red Wings. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Noel Bianchi and then my lovely co-host Ethan Smith at Ethan Smith. Or wait, no, Ethan Smith. Smith. That's right. That's right. I tried to like put the pronunciation on it so people could hear it, but then I put too much attention on that and forgot to switch letters in the first place. So uh, yeah, that'll do it it's for okay. today. Be sure to join us tomorrow and uh, we'll see you on Friday. Thank you.